seconds away from the Apollo 11 liftoff. All the second stage tanks now pressurized. 35 seconds and counting. We are still go with Apollo 11. 30 seconds and counting. Astronauts report it feels good. T-minus 25 seconds. 20 seconds and counting. T-minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. 12, 11, 10, 9, Ignition sequence start. Six. We have liftoff. Apollo 11 has cleared the tower. You just heard sounds of the 1969 launch of Apollo 11, which landed humans on the moon. Today we have a new first for outer space. Thomas Reamer is embarked on one of the most remarkable multimedia projects in history, the launch of the first ever global competition, a live stream television series known as Space Hero, where contestants compete for a $55 million seven-day trip to space after they've competed for months inside space villages, which will soon be erected across the world in cities and in desert locations. Thomas Reamer had an early career in the music industry, working with top artists and legends. He is the founding partner of TDGA Holdings, owner of the Space Hero IP, and Thomas Reamer is my guest coming up. So when you're up there, and there will be a live stream, so you will be able to talk to everybody on Earth, students, uh, universities, celebrities, politicians, whoever, right, will want to talk to you, and there will be tons of people. Um, you understand your role and then you'll say the right things. Welcome to Dig Life Deep with John Aiden Byrne. I hope you're all well. No exaggeration here, but Thomas Reamer is a modern-day visionary applying the skills he learned during a successful career in the music industry and in media to a most far-reaching project the Space Hero reality-style TV series, which will launch next year. His team are scouting the globe for space villages, which will be the centerpieces of a contest for participants who will compete for the prize of flying into space. Space Hero has been talking quietly to 145 government agencies and private space companies in over 60 countries, including NASA, the Japanese, the Canadian, the Nigerian and Brazilian space agencies too. More details are up there on spacehero.org, spacehero.org. And on this episode, Thomas Reamer talks to me exclusively about the excitement of the competition and the iconic 
Space Hero Villages. It will be interesting to see how the contestants deal with that, right? Because mm -hmm. the limitation of space and in space is the hardest. Then, um, yes, there's physical fitness. Yes, there's communal areas. There's a TV studio, all these kind of things for the live shows, for the jury to engage with you. And then there are challenges, right? And those challenges will require their own physical spaces. Uh, we don't know how far we can go in New York, but in other spaces, we will have buoyancy tanks so people can simulate zero gravity underwater to assemble things and all this kind of stuff. Before we get to my interview in a wee moment with Thomas Reamer of the forthcoming Space Hero TV series, it's time for our weekly Future Shock 2.0 segment with Ira Wolf. Boomers are delaying retirement because of the curse of inflation. They thought they could retire and enjoy their golden years, but it's not happening for more and more of them. Explain to me what's going on. Thanks, John. Yeah, it's troubling, and especially as an older baby boomer. I, I could be there, and I'm choosing to work because I enjoy what I do, and, and I'm still, I've got this entrepreneurial spirit, but I know quite a few people who have retired, retired early. Some have been retired for a decade or more. Retirees, uh, we all did, no matter what age, got used to living on lower interest low inflation. I mean, many young people have never experienced anything like what we've had today, but retirees planned. It was, they, they had a fixed income. They learned how to live on, on what they saved if they did manage to save. Uh, and then all of a sudden we have the highest inflation in 50 years. Uh, there's a little good news, uh, I guess, that you can find in, in the July numbers that wages are increasing. Unfortunately, the wages are fueling the inflation. And so it's one of the biggest parts. Now the gas prices are coming down a bit. But the bad news is that July consumer price index rose 8.5%. Good news, it's down a little bit. But that also means that every employee took a 3% pay cut in July. Retirees who are on a fixed income, who weren't necessarily getting increases, although Social Security is supposed to give the biggest increase in, in history um, next year, they're basically losing money. They're, they're shaving off the retirement faster than than expected. So the good news is it's bringing back a uh, good opportunity with all the labor shortages we talk about. It's bringing back baby boomers uh, into the workforce. Uh, more than half of all the unemployed people are baby boomers uh, that were lost. Almost 300,000 exited the workforce or are unemployed. They, they're out of the workforce and available. The challenge is, are they equipped to do some of the job? So we have a pilot shortage. Basically, everybody in the air in the air transportation business, uh, we have shortages. I'm not sure baby boomers want to go back. You know, can fill all those slots. Uh, childcare, um, childcare is pretty intensive. I'm not sure baby boomers are headed back there unless you're a grandparent. But I'm not sure it's a business. Uh, healthcare, uh, huge exodus of nurses and 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 doctors. Um, but it's not something you can just plop people into. Transportation, you're talking about long haul drivers. Uh, technology, we. We've talked about that in many other episodes, um, advanced skills uh, and baby boomers didn't grow up in that era and many of them don't have those skills. So where a lot of the jobs are that baby boomers can go back to aren't there, uh, They went, many of them want flexible hours. And unfortunately, a lot of the jobs that are have openings are low wage jobs. So I think you're going to see a lot of baby boomers come out of retirement who are on fixed income to go to those jobs. But it is sad because you have 70 and 75 and 80 year olds working jobs that that young people are struggling with. I have a very good friend who's a retired state trooper, retired over 10 years ago, a very sober individual, doesn't smoke, good health. And he was forced to go back to work, he said, because inflation was crushing the family finances. Amazing and sad. 
This is an opportunity for businesses too. While there is a shortage, the biggest challenge in retention and turnover and quit rates and the great resignation is that people are willing to work and they want to go back to work and they'll even accept lower pay. I mean, that's every survey says people will go if they can work for an employee that believes in them, if it treats them better. And and they don't have to pay the highest wages, but they have to treat people fairly. People are struggling for that. So it's a huge opportunity for businesses out there. We talk about this all the time. The employee experience is going to drive um, the best companies and it's going to kill the worst companies. Word to the wise for employers, treat people better and fairly, focus on the employee experience, and uh, you have an opportunity out there. That was Ira Wolf. Ira is a labor force trends expert, a top five global thought leader in his field, and host of the popular Geek Skeezers and Googleization podcast. And I want to remind you of another groundbreaking podcast. It's called Odeon Capital Conversations with Dick Beauvais and Matt Van Alstein of Odeon Capital Group and with yours truly. It's about all things money and markets. This weekly podcast up there on Apple, Google, Spotify and more covers everything from the impact of massive government spending, inflation, how interest rates are raising borrowing costs as the price of restoring stability in our markets. And in the latest episode of Odeon Capital Conversations, there are details from Dick Beauvais on a similar kind of period as today. The huge spending outlays that created the great society in America and led to stagflation in the 1970s. It's all up there on Odeon Capital Conversations. I'm your host, John Aiden Byrne. We keep digging for the secrets and stories of uncommon and everyday things and interesting people. My guest Thomas Reamer spent years as a successful music mogul and has now embarked on a project to build space villages across the globe in major cities like New York and in desert locales. His team planned to fly the winner of a television series called Space Hero to Outer Space. I'm your host, John Aiden Byrne. Thomas, welcome to my show. Thank you, John. You know, through history, there have been so many major disruptions, political, cultural, technological. We'll go back as far as the invention of the printing press in Gutenberg that caused major revolution and arguably led to the Reformation when widespread availability of printed Bibles uh, got into the hands of the masses. We had other disruptors. We had gunpowder. We had various ideologies. We had the invention of electricity. We had modern media, television. We had revolutions, counter-revolutions. I mean, the list goes on and on. Now, arguably, what you're going to tell us about is also a disruptor. And am I going a little far here? Am I getting losing the run of myself? So tell us about it and welcome to the show. Wow. What an, what an entry, okay? <laughs> um, the interesting part about uh, what you just said, John, is that uh, I am actually a historian and um, have studied history and politics and uh, was about to uh, become a PhD candidate when my life 
turned into a different direction with the music industry. Um, but we could have also sat here with me being Dr. Reamer in history and you would have asked the same question and uh, I would have loved to answer that. But the point is that uh, history teaches us only one thing, right? That things are happening uh, again and again and again in cycles under different circumstances. We can choose to learn from that, and uh, but we can never look into the future and predict it, right? Because a lot of things just happen a different way, but the patterns are always the same. And so are the patterns of disruption. The disruptive element uh, that we find is harder and harder and harder these days because we have so much information. I mean, just imagine three, four hundred years ago, uh, what did you know? Nothing. You knew your immediate surroundings, um, the farm, the land that you were working on, your family, your kids, the animals. And then you might have heard something when um, whatever Hannibal crossed the Alps with the elephants, you know, that will be a rumor that it will have spread far, but that's it. And today we wake up and we are bombarded with everything that is happening on this planet. And uh, while this is terrifying, this is also wonderful, right? We just have to get used to it. And um, I think what we are finding ourselves in at this very point in time is that everybody's adjusting to that situation. You and me, because we are from the same generation, we are adjusting to it um, consciously. Uh, there are younger generations that are already um, living with this, that are adjusting a lot easier than us, right? And then there are the youngest ones that don't know anything else uh, but the barrage of information that they get hit with every day. And uh, they're very cool with this, right? Because it's normal to them. So how can we reach them? How can we excite them? How can we disrupt everything that they know with what we do. And that is a very, very tough question, but we hope that with Space Hero, we are creating something that will reach every single person on this planet because it is so audacious that people are simply thinking, wow, that is interesting. Space Hero is the big new disruptor. And before I move on, of course, the internet, rock and roll, and all of that cultural phenomena, massive disruption. And the internet has led to all these kind of apps. We're going to talk about Space Hero. The way you laid it out to me in previous conversations had me falling off my chair. And I was quite sober when you explained all this to me, but you're going to have to walk us through it. It's absolutely amazing. It's going to be a major reality TV show, and it's going to be based on Earth and in space. That's right. I guess a reality TV show is the lowest common denominator in terminology that we can find to really bring it home. Because what people understand about that is that we are filming something that is real, reality, that they can watch it at home on a screen, although whoever calls that television still, and um, that it has to do with audience interaction. And this is where the disruption starts, because you're disrupting in two ways. One is anybody that uh, will have thought that they want to fly to space, which let's face it, when we're six and we're going to school, right? First grade, doesn't matter if we're sitting uh, on the floor of a dirty uh, school in Afghanistan or Nepal, or we're sitting at an expensive bench, right? In one of the boarding schools in England, everybody wants to become an astronaut. This is like the aspiration of people, right? But then you lose the track when you get older, reality kicks in you think you won't make the cut anyways, right? 
Mm-hmm. And this is one of the things, one of the disruptions we bring back because we tell people, start the journey. You only have to be 18 plus and you only have to be able to speak basic English, right? To try and see how far you can get in that aspiration. It's an easy thing you can try for yourself. The process that we will take the applicants through, it is for free. It's ad-based. Everybody has a mobile phone in their pocket. So you can absolutely take part in this and see how far you can get. And if you don't succeed, which is you know very, very hard in the first season, you might succeed in the second. You might succeed in the third. And then going forward, John, we will have parents preparing their kids while they're already at school for competing in Space Hero, right? For one of those spaces. But the other disruption that we are doing or creating is that we um, are asking the global population to engage with us to decide who the next person in space is. And this is really different because usually, you know, astronauts when they come back, right? They land and then they go around and somebody says, oh, they've been, they've spent six months uh, um, on the International Space Station. And um, we want to do this differently because if you know the person that is launching in a rocket before they are going into space, then everything has a lot more gravity. Everything has a lot more importance and everything has a lot more impact. The impact that this person is witnessing, what the story is that get them there, right? What the story is that they are telling when they come back. And all of this is really important. We want to have millions of people watching the launch with us, right? In a celebration of humankind, because the emotional connection with the person inside the rocket has been established long, long time before. And you really care about that particular space hero mission. And that is a massive disruption because people will understand that if they come together They can create the power that makes these things happen. And we're not talking national power. We're not talking local power. We're talking global power, right? The mobile phone is the big disruptor here. Everybody's carrying this little computer in their pockets. And we never use it in a global way, right? We do our little local things. You know, we go on social media platforms, etc. But do we really communicate with the world? Do we really have the feeling that we are in it together? No. And that's what we want to change. There's a lot of components to this, Thomas. You're building these space villages around the globe in many countries and even here in New York City. And people will apply to get into the competition. And I presume there'll be a high bar to cross. Um, Tell us about the villages and tell us about when you expect to get this reality show up. Explain the process. So it's a four-step process, right? So first is the applications that we will find through the Space Hero app. People will be able, hopefully from March next year onwards, to download the app for free, start to apply, and the audience will already see the applicants from the start. We wanted to do this differently than usually casting shows do it because it's such an important task to get it right. We have to find 24 finalists, right, out of millions of applicants from around the globe. And the input from the global audience is very, very important to us. As, by the way, is global participation, because we could have done it in a kind of from the West trickling down kind of style. But then um, it really doesn't make sense because access to space has been denied to um, half of the planet 
there are big, big countries that never had astronauts and they count for billions of people amongst us, right? Like Indonesia, Mexico, Nigeria, Brazil, India even had one astronaut in 1985. So that's like two generations ago. And they can even remember that, right? So that is where the big energy will come from and hence why it's so important for us. Uh, once you've done the application and uh, people have voted you into the last 24, uh, this is where uh, the media stuff begins, right? Takes from the app onto the big screen. Who the distributor is going to be, we will have to decide. We have had talks with um, the top 10 of uh, the global distribution platforms, streaming platforms, broadcasters. Uh, the right deal will appear and emerge. This is a new business proposition. We are, you know, never forgetting that. So, you know, people will have to take the risk alongside us. But you might imagine that if you give away the biggest prize ever in media history, that this also will be a big show that will create big interest. So the earning potential is also very When we have the 24 finalists, uh, we need a place for them, right? And this is where the space villages come into play. Uh, of course, our background is in media and we are very media interested people. So we know all the reality TV show formats, right? And uh, you think about the Big Brother house, you think about the, the voice studio and all these kind of things, like iconic places that people can identify with. And the audience loves to hang out there and loves to greet uh, their stars and their you know, favorite people in person. So we thought, okay, what would be the place that we would create, right? Because challenges going into space are very, very different from you know, being able to sing well uh, or just uh, be able to you know, sell yourself well. With space, it's very, very different. And uh, so this place must reflect. And the Space Village is exactly that. You have um, an incredible iconic landmark that uh, has been designed by Lava Designs, a German architecture firm that is leading in the um, uh, sustainable architecture field. And it's, it's amazing. You will see it from space. You will see the Space Hero halo, right, from space. Wow. When you look down uh, on it and then, you know, there is all sorts of smart things in there because what we want to show the world is that it is actually possible uh, to live with technology that has originally been developed for space on Earth, because space is a human, unfriendly environment. No water, no oxygen, tough disposal of waste, strong solar radiation, right? Mm. And um, we are facing a lot of those challenges on Earth too. Water supplies are limited, solar radiation is increasing. We have a waste problem, right? And um, yeah, we still have some oxygen, but it's also dirty in a lot of places. So all the technology we want to include there and showcase how people can enjoy living on this planet and how we can make a plan for the future, how we can smile when we think about the future with the space village. So Space Hero is the name of the new reality show and it could stream, it could be on networks. You're talking to a lot of media platforms. I mean, there's so many questions arise from all of this. 25 countries involved. There are 25 locations worldwide. That's right. Um, so that has to do with the amount of seasons we want to do. So look at it, uh, if you want to find a better analogy than just a reality TV show, look at it as a global competition series. Then, you know, it's, uh, you understand that, you know, it will go on for a number of decades because spaceflight will be very scarce in the first 10 years and uh, the access to space will be increasing over time. 
and we will make sure that you know everybody can participate you'll have these space villages in each of the major cities including our islands or tropical areas because you have a lot of locales including new york city the participants will live in these quarters for a period of time and the quarters themselves will replicate a lot of the conditions that we have in space the whole idea is fantastic it's amazing it's it's jaw-dropping uh, and uh, you mentioned prize money this prize money is pretty significant how, how large of a purse are we talking about this the, the the price of a ticket into space at the moment is around fifty five million dollars, and we're not talking uh, small eleven minute hops up and down, right? We are talking proper space flight, orbital space flight, which means when you think about a space mission, uh, you go onto a rocket. The rocket is carrying you up into orbit, which doesn't take long. It's around eight to ten minutes. Then you're there. You're like four hundred miles above Earth. Okay, and you start to orbit Earth, and then uh, you will orbit Earth 16 times a day. That's how fast you go around, right? You see sunsets and uh, sunrises 16 times a day. It is quite ridiculous. And um, I gotta say, it is. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, it blows my mind. So the the winner will go into outer space. You mentioned it's a prize value of 55 million that's payment in kind as it were they're not getting a check for 55 million but they're getting 55 million worth of space travel one person will orbit and travel for days and days i believe spacex is involved with this project that's right um as uh, the prime um, launcher in the market that's who we are working with but i don't understand if the participant would have to have some savvy some know-how some technical skills to go into space would they have to be trained as an astronaut uh, they will be trained as an astronaut um, the difference uh, to training for a long duration astronaut right when they go up for six months etc is in what the mission is so you have to imagine that the pure event of the flight compared to when you carry out a scientific mission um, is actually not that complicated, right? Those vehicles, they fly themselves, they're automated, so you don't have to pilot them. You have to know the emergency procedures. But you know what, John? It's like, would you get into a spacecraft uh, that you know is piloted automatically and controlled remotely on Earth? And you'd be cool with understanding the safety protocol and then you'd do it? Well, I mean, the whole idea of going into space um, just is extraordinary to begin with. Um, some people yes will... No. Yes or no? Would you? It's something that was controlled, nothing to manage or anything. I don't know. I'd be uneasy, frankly. Okay. And, but would you go or would you not go? I'd have to think about it. Uh, I, I would... <laughs> okay. <laughs> point is, the point is, right, that this is only one side of the, of the coin. The other side is, what is it that you do, right? What are you doing there? Why are you there? What's the role that you're playing? Why do you want to do it, right? And people will have very, very different motivations to apply. So when you think about um, Western societies, right, there will be a big uh, play on fame and fortune because you will become one of the most world-famous people. Mm. You come back, you'll have a top career, right? Everybody will want to book you. You earn a ton of money. You become a millionaire many times over, no doubt. Is this going to be enough, right? People from developing countries will see it in a very, very different way. They have grown up probably be hungry all their life, right? For them, it's a big chance. 
And the chance is not only to become famous, but to really make an impact into their society, right? An impact into their environment, maybe become president of their country. Mm -hmm. So these groups of people we have put together, and those will be the finalists, 12 men, 12 women, 12 people from developed, 12 people from developing countries. And those conversations are interesting because you need to understand why you're there. Nobody in their right minds can think that they can go back to their old lives after this. If you're chosen the space hero, your life changes dramatically. That you can all use this for selfish gains, you're totally wrong because... The only option that you have afterwards is to put your life into the service of humanity. And uh, the people in the show, the drama will come from people's realization about this, right? Because not everybody's cut out for that, right? I mean, you are doing a service to humanity because you're reporting, right? You're writing for people. Um, you, you know, create the stories around the information that we are giving and people read you and that's like that's brilliant in a way well, I, I i thank you i'm flattered i'm glad to hear somebody say i'm doing something for humanity uh, that's a good way to put it thomas i like that absolutely and then in a way kind of we do too um look we don't suffer financially or economically from it but absolutely this is our service right we are older now because and that means that you know all the you know, all the uh, business activities that we make, they make, must make sense to us as well. Yep. If they don't make sense to us, you know, we wouldn't touch it because we are living comfortably already. And it's a great life that we have. So when you pick up something and you need to put your energy into it, it must make sense for all of us. And that's why we're doing it. And the space hero needs to understand that too. And that will be the interesting part to watch. So when you're up there and there will be a live stream, so you will be able to talk to everybody on earth, students, uh, universities, celebrities, politicians, whoever, right, will want to talk to you and there will be tons of people. Um, you understand your role and then you'll say the right things. Hi, I'm Danica Patrick. Watching my nieces grow, play and learn is amazing, but not every child gets to be carefree. One in six kids in the U.S. are hungry. This breaks my heart and it's something that Feeding America is working to change. Each year, the Feeding America network of food banks rescues billions of pounds of good food that would have gone to waste and gives it to families in need. To help, visit feedingamerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. My guest, Thomas Reamer, spent years as a successful music mogul and has now embarked on a project to build space villages across the globe in major cities like New York and in desert locales. His team planned to fly the winner of a television series called Space Hero to Outer Space. I'm your host, John Aidan Byrne. Let's do a quick recap on some of the, the facts here. So you're going to have these space villages in how many countries exactly? How long will the participants compete inside the space village? And what kind of activities will they engage in? Give us a dateline on when the uh, reality show launches. So the first season will um, we anticipate it to launch in March next year. Then we have the application phase and the 24 finalists uh, will come together for the first time in September of next year. They will be together for three months, right? When you look at a typical season of 
And I'm going to stop you right there, Thomas, because that is just, again, one of those jaw-dropping statements. They're going to be together in this space village for three months. I can just imagine in New York City. Oh, my gosh, the attention that they will get. And let's say, I don't know where you're planning to. I've heard rumors about the location in New York City. I don't know if any of these are true. But I can imagine people will be walking by the village peering in, knocking on doors. Can I get inside? Can I get inside? No, you can't get inside during the filming, but you can't see it from outside, right? Mm. That's the most important thing. And then, of course, there's extensive reporting because I was always a fan of, um, you know, going into 24-7 live streams, whatever show it had, right? And uh, people will be able to do that and really engage with the contestants. The, The three and a half months, John, are important because... You will only get through so much challenges, so many challenges, you know, on in a week because they are exhausting. And the challenges really speak to uh, the holy trinity, as we call it, body, uh, sorry, mind, heart and body. Right. And um, that's exactly what you need as an astronaut is the full balance of all these things. Astronauts are revealed people, revered people, because uh, they are so complete in our eyes. Right. They are knowledgeable. They're fit. You know, they are brave and they are psychologically strong. That's why everybody's like, ah, astronauts are like gods. But you know what? We can also achieve that and we must strive to do that, right? Because the combination is the key. And if you're not as physically fit, you know, that's fine because you can make it up through a brilliant brain, a brilliant mind. You can make it up through a brilliant teamwork and, you know, reliable, being a reliable cooperation partner. And that's what the challenges will bring out during those three months, right? It's not only fitness challenges. Yes, there is also, but contestants will have to create their own energy. They have to grow their own food. They have to understand and learn like knowledge wise, right? There will be um, tests of knowledge. And then there's coordination, physical coordination, psychological duration and stress tests. All of this stuff will happen. And, um, you know, we see people not cracking up under the pressure of challenges, but under the pressure of an increasing global audience watching this and really pinning their hopes on each one of us, right? And uh, that will really put pressure on the contestants. What would be the typical profile of a candidate or a participant in the Space Village? Will they be young, physically fit, it sounds like? Will they have gone to college, uh, working class, middle class, um musicians artists what kind of people are these so um, 18 plus and a little bit of english is the only criteria they have to have english uh, they have to have some basic english because the world wants to understand them right mm-hmm. and, uh, i'm sure technology at one point will enable us to speak in our mother tongue mm-hmm. and understand you you will understand me but we're not there yet so that is the lowest common denominator but everything else does not matter, right? You have to check out the story. There are physically fit people that are a lot older than just being young. Uh, The oldest person that has been to space, John Glenn, actually was 73. And then Wally Funk has been flying with Blue Origin. He was 93. So it's all possible. And uh, there's no age limit, right? And um, we don't want to put an age limit. There's no limitation on education. Education and traditional education as we know it, right, with school and university and all this kind of stuff, um, might not be the fit model for the future, right? I mean, we can learn, we have all the information, the knowledge at our disposal, 
through uh, the internet and the connection. Um, we just need to know how to find it, right? We need to be smart in filtering that. We need to be smart at analyzing it and coming up with our own solutions. So that's what we're asking for, right? And um, there is no criteria of who you are, right? When you apply, you have to tell us why you do it. And the little hero, the second part of the portion of space hero of the world is important because have you ever served somebody else voluntarily without asking anything in return? We want to know about those people. Mm. They will serve uh, the, to be the space hero best. Describe the interior of this space village in some detail. Will everybody have their own quarters? Will they have a communal area to eat? Will there be recreation, entertainment, sports facilities, a gymnasium? Um, will there be odd and eccentric kind of things? All of it. There is tweaks and twists to all of this stuff, right? We didn't want to redefine the format too much because already the proposition is new and hard to grasp when you do it for the first time. So the format itself, you know, stays quite as what it is. It's, you know, quarters, living quarters. With us, though, the living quarters get smaller instead of bigger, the longer you're in the competition so that you can get used to the small space you will be in. So in the actual space village? Yeah. So you'll cram, it'll reduce in size. This is where you're living, guys. And, um, it, you know, it will, it will be interesting to see how the contestants deal with that, right? Because mm -hmm. limitation of space and in space is the hardest part. Um, then, um, yes, there's physical fitness. Yes, there's communal areas. There's a TV studio, all these kind of things for the live shows, for the jury to engage with you. And then there are challenges, right? And those challenges will require their own physical spaces. Uh, we don't know how far we can go in New York, but in other spaces, we will have buoyancy tanks so people can simulate zero gravity underwater to assemble things and all this kind of stuff. How will they get their meals prepared? Will people bring food in? All of those kind of basic elementary things. They will grow a big portion of their food. The goal is that they can do this 100%. In the, in the village, they will grow their own food with yes. the latest technology. Well, we've seen a lot of that in places like Disney World. They've shown that for, for many, it always fascinated me, but Disney's not the only place doing it. You go to horticultural centers around the world now, and it's a common thing in, in cities. They have little farms, urban farms. Urban farms, that's the, for New York, that's exactly going to be the key because you want to show uh, the audience that it's actually possible. You can do this at home now. You mm. just have to know how to cook is another thing, right? What do you do with the ingredients once you have them? If you only do, uh, rely on delivery services, you better start cooking now. Again, um, when people hear this, there are probably there's a, a certain level of skepticism, I'm sure, when people hear about it in the beginning. By all accounts, you're well-funded for this. You have a company that's prepared to put up this money and um, the plans are at an advanced stage. Now, when we get into the actual competition, you, you've thought this out in a very creative way and you can describe it. The list will be whittled down to three participants and they'll be taken to the space station and explain what happens then, who, how all of that works and the eventual winner is chosen. That's right. So um, the elimination process was a hard one for us to crack because we don't want to subscribe to the useful, useless analogy. Right? When you eliminate people, you're almost giving them a stamp of you not making a cut, which is all right. In space, it's not like that, right? Because you can use everybody. 
And uh, so with us, uh, to keep the excitement going, we will eliminate people, but they will stay on and help the people staying in the competition. So they have to become bigger than their own ego. Big challenge. Interesting to watch. Say that last part, very important. Bigger than their own ego. Yeah, because they will help somebody else to win. They can't win anymore, but they have to help somebody else win. Mm. So you have to jump over your own ego that you're disappointed that you didn't make it and help another person win, which honestly, I can tell you will be a very fulfilling task uh, when you think about it, because the moment you jump over your own ego, you're relieved. Your ego is a big thing that's sitting on your back. Mm. And, uh, you know, it comes out and grows heavier when you are threatened And it's smaller when you feel at ease, right? But you mm. feel best when it doesn't play a role at all. And that's the thing that we want to teach, you know. Uh, a lot of Western societies have uh, forgotten how and what it means actually to serve. So you want to bring communities back together. Uh, you're looking for team players. Yeah. Oh, for sure. You know, if you're not a team player in space, you'll be dead. You can't survive alone. So there'll be three people and one person will be chosen in the end and it's a global audience presumably they'll there be able to go there is a moment and this is the moment that everybody is looking forward to right yes the audience will vote and eliminate beforehand as well but the last three they will go into training and the training will happen at normal where training. will this training take place we call it normal training facilities because we've been within the space industry for such a long time now yeah that for us it's not even special anymore but it's nasa it's going to be spacex facilities NASTAR and all these things. It's, Cali it's uh, California, Texas. Pe and, uh, SpaceX. And, yeah, and Pennsylvania. Yeah, NASA. Okay. So it's proper stuff, right? So then these three will all be flight ready. And you have to imagine that on the day of the launch, which is exciting anyways, right? So they'll all get into their suits, come down. Then they get into the car. I don't know if you've ever seen a live um, stream of a rocket launch. A live stream, no. Obviously, I've seen it live on TV, but that's a different thing. Different thing. So these days they do a live stream, right? And it starts like three, four hours before the rocket launch. Oh, okay. Okay, that's exciting. It is exciting because we are going to celebrate this with a big festival, right? And um, there will be a live audience, everything. So the three come down and then they get into the car. They drive up to the ramp, right? The launch ramp. They mm. get out of the car. They're standing there. They're getting up into the lift. That's you know, brings them up to the spacecraft. And then there's this hallway, right? There's a gangway into the spacecraft. Here's the rocket. Mm -hmm. Before they get into the gangway, they stand there and the audience has one final last vote to tell us who is the one that is going on the rocket. The other two have to stand back. It's live. It's going to be the biggest global vote that has ever happened. And it's brutal for the other two, but they'll get a wild card into the next season. Wow. Uh, Yeah, but one person then directly goes to the rocket and it's all upon the decision of the audience. That's just amazing. So that one person will go forward and then do their space travel for how many days? Five days. Five days unaccompanied? No, there will be uh, two other passengers. And those two other passengers will be who? We don't know. People that uh, can afford it. I see. There's nothing to do with Space Hero prize money worth 55 million as you said and it will be controlled from central quarters they'll be guiding do you worry about any um i mean i hate to bring this up but it's got to be brought up liability the potential for accidents and all of those terrible things mishaps 
Yeah, we're not worried about it. We know it can happen and we have dealt with it. So there is a structure in place, right, that helps with any potential outcome. Um, we always have to understand that when you get on top of a rocket, you are getting on top of a controlled explosion. Mm. And uh, the last uh, people that have died uh, during launch obviously were um, the shuttle astronauts. Um, but it's a long time ago and it happens rarely, right? The new vehicles are quite safe, but still everything can happen. Would we stop then um, for sure for a period of time to recover? But then for the sake of progress, you pick it up again. You can't end the whole process there, right? And you will always find people who understand that situation and will want to go again. So that's how humans make progress. They're littered with victims and um, it still puts us forward. And that's how it What does Elon Musk have to say about all of this? He knows about it. And uh, obviously they are partners and... Um, That's it, right? Uh, the rest remains uh, to be seen. Um, we look, we love everything that uh, he is doing. Um, we are not always agreeing with his opinion. Hmm. Can you tell us a little bit about your company and your funders and financing to reassure everybody out there? This is a completely wholehearted, comprehensive project. Yes. Um, so the company... It's all set up uh, through uh, Debs and myself. Uh, we are uh, partners and uh, we co-own the business together, right? Mm -hmm. And um, it's, uh, you know, a setup, uh, a global international setup that works very well. And um, it is a media company, a media holding, because essentially what Space Hero is from a business perspective, it's an IP company. We hold a very strong IP and we will work with partners to make this IP work, right? Because when you look into the future, uh, this little thing that I'm describing to you now, which is mind-boggling when you hear it for the first time, will become very normal, right? You do a yes. second season, third season, then you do spin-offs, right? You do the first athlete in space, the first musician in space, the first creator in space. You can do the first for so many things. And uh, that's going to be niche audiences. But again, they're global, so they're big and they're worth it. And we are, you know, aiming to be Olympic-like, Disney-like, a combination of both. Yeah, uh, there's a total of 15 seasons slotted so far. This is going to have a long run. It has, it has, it does. Yeah. The, the genuine opportunity, and I don't want to say too much about it, <laughs> the genuine opportunity lies in where and in what state the space industry is at the moment. I'm going to circle back to the uh, disruption as we, we started the interview on, and, and you, you just alluded to that now. At the beginning, people's jaws are going to drop. Um, it's mind-boggling. It's just hard to get your arms around it. Um, but then it'll become an accepted thing within our culture. This is, in your view, going to change a lot of thinking, maybe ideology in the world. Absolutely. Um, you spice it up, look, from a media point of view, you spice it up with the destinations that you fly to. So eventually, of course, you're going to be on the moon. Eventually, of course, you're going to be part of the first Mars mission, right? Mm -hmm. And there will be casualties, John. There's no, no doubt about this. But still, it's uh, almost like it's not only the moon landing uh, moment, it's a bigger moment. It's as if, you know, Columbus discovers America and you're there live. Mm. 
Absolutely, we will also be there. And um, those will make it exciting. We want to send the first kid into space. There's never been a kid into space. Can you imagine that? Child, when they come back, you know, what they have to tell the world will be impactful. Massive. But that's that's long-term strategy, because I noticed in some of your notes on this, you mentioned about having a family in space. So it's a pretty all-encompassing long-term strategy. Tell us a bit about yourself, your background. I come from the music and media industry. I was lucky enough to experience the music industry in its heyday in the 90s in Berlin, which, uh, of course, was at the forefront of a lot of uh, musical direction in the 90s. I was very young then and uh, just enjoyed my time, uh, never looked back, uh, became more um, of an international-oriented business person when I picked up a study at Paul McCartney's Liverpool Institute for Performing Arts, uh, which is in Liverpool. It's this old school where he went to school with George Harrison. He once bought the building, which was, and he turned it into a kind of a fame school, right? You can study music there, acting, stage, stage lighting, and ed- entertainment management as well, which is the course that I took. It gave me an insane network because my mentors uh, from day one at that school were, um, you know, Ed Bicknell, who was the manager of the Dire Straits, and uh, Paul Barrow, the manager of Duran Duran. Um, and I looked into building uh, an international company, right? And I found a good partner in London, Mark Bjornsgaard, whom I set up Artists First with, which was my first international company. It was an e-commerce company enabling artists to sell music uh, through the mobile phones and through MySpace, mm. which nobody knows, any none of your listeners knows what this actually means because they're probably too young. But MySpace was the Instagram of its time. And uh, with a little bit of code from us, you could turn it into, an, into a store. Mm. And a lot of people used it amongst them prints. And uh, we done a good business. We sold it later to Bob Geldof. And um, then I started to look into disrupting television. So all the YouTube stuff came up in 2006, 2007. And I did one of the first ever web series called Big Fish, Little Fish. Um, We were, you know, we did six episodes only, which are still on YouTube, by the way. Mm. And we sold them per episode. MTV came knocking. They wanted to, you know, take it into the program, to the regular program. We couldn't get together because the cutters didn't fit. And um, while I was doing that, I traveled extensively uh, and uh, analyzed TV and internet markets around the world. And one of them was Russia. And that's where I discovered Space Hero in 2007 because the Russians, they really wanted to send somebody to the International Space Station in a global casting show. So this idea is not new. So the Russians came up with this initially. Well, it's actually not true. They also wanted to do it, right? But I think the initial idea came from the 90s uh, from um, the people that wanted to take over the Russian space station Mir. Before the ISS, there was another space station called Mir. And an American group of people wanted to take it over. And they also wanted to get candidates up there. Never materialized. It's like 25 years ago, 30 years ago, right? And then uh, Mark Burnett, the TV producer who is the creator of the Survival format, he wanted to do Survivor in space. And uh, also 20, 25 years ago, never materialized. So this idea is not new, it's not mine, right? I just took it 
and analyzed and uh, brought it into the new age of the mobile phone and how you do all of this with media distribution. And then, of course, you know, we tried it once and it didn't work because we couldn't get a ticket to space. There was a time when the space shuttle was grounded in 2011. It was impossible to go to space because the only launcher in town were the Russians and NASA was flying their astronauts to the ISS to fulfill their international obligations. We didn't have a chance. Huh. So we had to shelve the whole thing. I did something else. I moved to China and, you know, built another platform, sold it. <laughs> and then in 2015, I got a call when somebody said that SpaceX is going to come onto the market. There will be tickets and I should start this thing again. But then what do you do, right? And, you know, reheating uh, an old love is not a good idea if you do it in the same way or approach it in the same way that you did in the past. So two things. I didn't want to do it alone anymore. So I asked the first person that came to my mind, which was Debs. And um, the second thing is that why do you do it, right? And it was clearly an impact project and not a TV project anymore. And mm -hmm. that gave this additional color that you find so fascinating. All the thoughts, all the philosophical thoughts on, you know, who is going to be in the competition? What's this role of the space hero? What impact does it really have on the planet? Why are we doing this stuff, right? And since we thought about it and formulated it, it moved into the right direction because people can follow this and they understand it. Will you need, I presume the answer is yes, regulatory approval, government license? You know, you just, I can't just say, oh, I'm going to fly to the moon. Yeah, no, absolutely. But this, our partners are taking care of these things, right? That's what you pay the big bucks for. It works. Yeah. Um, just before we, uh, came on the air uh, we had a, an amusing moment i thought it was fascinating you produced this bible <laughs> apparently well you can produce it again um and i says wow what's this what what is this telling me here and i said wow he must be reading my mind because we spoke about the gutenberg press that led to the mass distribution of the um the bible and ultimately I suppose, directly or indirectly to the Reformation, because people could start reading and thinking and questioning and be cynical and not cynical, whether they were right or wrong is a whole separate matter. Which brings us to uh, lifestyle, lifestyle choices within the village, the practice of religion, faith, and all of those things. A Christian, for example, or a Catholic, will you accommodate their needs in the space village? Absolutely. So um, we always looked at uh, space as something where your gender, where your race, where your religion, where your age almost, your nationality doesn't matter, right? I mean, you've heard something of the overview effect, right? People go up there, they look back mm. on Earth, and you can only see uh, the geographical things. You don't see any conflict. That's the idea. Mm. Because there's no borders, no politics, nothing. You just see how beautiful. Perfection. Yeah, well, perfection and also it's our home, right? And mm. uh, so in that sense, we are completely open. But, you know, there are some certain principles that you have to share. Otherwise, you will feel displaced in this competition and the community that we want to create, right? Because mm -hmm. if you really care about the planet, then you understand that your religion is something that is important uh, to yourself, right? And that mm. you don't use it for you know, power gains for any moves that, you know, are going to suppress other people. And, um, you know, that's important to understand. Other than that, no issue.
Yeah, so obviously uh, you will accommodate and work with people who who have you know faith based um, lifestyles, if you will, and way of thinking. So give us again some dates. When is the start date for all of this? When will we see it streaming? When will we see um, any of these villages built yet, and any other good stuff? So it starts in March next year. If you are a television user, you probably see the first stuff in September next year. And uh, the villages will begin working at the beginning of next year. We are not sure if we have a village ready for the first season. I'll be very honest because time is very tight. But it doesn't matter because uh, we know what to do with the contestants. No problem there. And maybe we can already visit the construction site of the first space village together with them so that you can actually, and it gives me chills, see that it becomes real. I'm going to uh, conclude uh, in a moment, but this is, sounds like, and it will be a big commercial enterprise. You've thought this true because you're going to have a hotel dedicated mm. to the whole concept and the show where people can watch. I, I can only imagine what the, the room rate will be per night. <laughs> probably not going to cost anything because it's a lot more valuable to invite the right people to stay there for free so that they can multiply the message. Mm. And whatever happens after the season, look, I'm, we're surrounded, right? This company is good. It's big. It's, you know, we have an extensive network. We've been in this market for a long time, which means you know, people look at this and they say, hey, there's a hospitality angle here and you should do that and this. And we're like, cool. Uh, the commercial development of all of this, we are absolutely not worried about. I can tell you that this is going to be a big commercial proposition. Um, you know, the hardest part was putting it together. And, you know, this is what took time because, uh, you know, as with you, I've spoken to probably two, two and a half thousand people directly uh, who had decision-making power, right? And uh, you need to convince every single one of them that this is a good idea. And, you know, 25,000 have said no after the first minute. So the usual life of an entrepreneur also applied to us. Anyway, I, I'm going to wish you good luck. I'm going to watch this and follow it closely. And we're going to come back together again to talk about this. And when your space village goes up in New York City, I want to visit. I, I really want to visit that. You will be there and we will grow food together. <laughs> yeah, we'll share a beer. I have a sandwich. Thomas Reamer, thank you and good luck. Thank you very much, John. Appreciate it. You are listening to Dig Life Deep with John Aiden Byrne. You can reach the host in the U.S. at 973-529-4699. That's 973-529-4699. 973-529-4699. Email burndesk at gmail.com. That's burndesk, B-Y-R-N-E, desk at gmail.com. Burndesk at gmail.com. Subscribe for free.